this morning. If you're, um, if you're visiting with us or you haven't been here in a little while, um, we are on week five of a series on relationships. We're talking about relationships. And, uh, you know, we said we weren't sure how long we were going to stay on this. When all your relationships are fixed, we'll move on to something else. But for now, we're going to be talking about this. And we've talked about a number of different things. If you missed them, uh, you've sort of missed them here, but you can, you can listen to them online. And I would encourage you to do that. We talked about a number of different things. Um, you know, what the Bible is, is it relevant for, for our relationships today? We, we talked about, you know, God's design for relationships. Some of the things that in us that push against. A couple of weeks ago, we had one of those things where a simple question can bring, can close the gap in, in relationships in your life that um, that uh, you know maybe aren't aren't a problem, but just you know, as husband and wife, you're fine, but you know you're drifting. And that question was, "What can I do to help?" Just asking that simple question, "What can I do to help?" Uh, offering yourself to the other person to see that uh, you know that gap can close. And last week we talked about the cause of conflict. That sometimes we need to ask ourselves, you know, and realize that, that, you know, when we're in the heat of conflict, that sometimes we just got to say, part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. And man, does that ever lower the level of conflict? So a bunch of those things you can find online. We're not going to spend too much time there this morning. But the Bible is just, it's an incredible book. Um, Because it's not really a book. It's a collection of letters that have been written over thousands of years, put all together so you can have it in a book. But all of those um, letters talk about things that, that matter um, still today, because it's just not a normal book. It, the Bible even just talks about how it's alive. Those words just, they, they jump off the page and they get you right here, and they have the power to actually change your life. And so that's why we want to look at that this morning. And so today I want to talk about judging other people. Judging other people. Yeah, I know, because nobody likes that guy, right? So, but you know what? We're, we are, we're, we're all kind of that guy sometimes. Um, we, we judge other people. Uh, we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't, and you're going to see that this morning. We do it, and usually, usually we don't like, intend for it to go poorly, um, but oftentimes we, we judge things, but oftentimes we judge others wrongly, and in doing that, it brings incredible hurt into our own lives. We're the ones judging, and yet we're the ones being hurt. So let me just uh, share this real quick. Matthew chapter 7, just want to kind of put this as the foundational verse this morning. It says this, don't judge others. Do not judge others, and you won't be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging uh, is the standard which you'll be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the two-by-four in your own eye? My words. Hypocrite. He says, first get rid of that log in your own eye, and you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. You know, and, the, and you look at this, and you think Jesus is saying, you know, don't judge. You know, don't judge pretty clear. But in the context of the Bible, um, Jesus isn't actually telling people not to judge. The context of the Bible, sometimes we want to read the Bible, and this is how we want to read it. Judge not, and the rest doesn't really matter. You know, if everybody would just not judge each other, we would all be so much happier. But that's not actually what um, Jesus is saying, because we know that if you read through the whole Bible, you're going to see that Jesus sometimes says, you've got to judge a tree by its fruit. You know, you can judge an apple tree because it's got apples on it, um, and you're not judging wrongly uh, by doing that. Paul talked about it and said, listen, you know, there's, there's people outside of the church and inside the church. There's a different way of, of judging them. And we get this word, we think judging, it's all bad. You know, the word judge, oh, you know, nobody likes that word. And yet, there's good, there's good um, uh, parts and good sides of judging, and there's the bad side, and we want to talk about that this morning. There's right ways to judge people, and there's wrong ways. Um, for instance, judging happened um, this week 
If you follow the NHL and if you're a Leafs fan like myself, it was just, just hard to watch as the Edmonton Oilers judged Connor McDavid to be the best pick in the draft this week. And we're like, he should have been a Toronto Maple Leaf. You know, I prayed, you know. Anyways, well, we'll... we'll Maybe you're an NBA fan and you're like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is, you know, judged to be number one by the Timberwolves. But they were judging, you know, both those guys in their acceptance speech after, they weren't up there saying, oh, man, I feel so judged. Why did you guys pick me number one? No, they're like thrilled. You're like, yeah, they judged me to be the best, and that's awesome. Uh, because judging is this, is this, uh, it's this thing that, that we, we have to determine things. And we love that side. We just don't love the other side. There's a wrong kind of judging that brings separation into our relationships. The word, actually, the word judge, when you read it there, it wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And that word in Greek, its meaning is, it it means separation. Uh, And so this thing is saying, hey, when you judge others wrongly, you create separation. When we talked about the gap a couple weeks ago, you increase that gap when you judge people wrongly. Not when you judge people, when you judge them wrongly wrongly. And oftentimes when we get the, the kind of the words judge and condemn mixed up, we think, you know, that judging, all judging is condemning, but it's not. Uh, it's the times where we condemn and uh, we kind of, we judge people to be less than us or we judge them in the, in the wrong ways, even in our own families or marriages or kids, whatever it is. Maybe it's, you know, you judging your parents, you create separation and it's this thing that we've been talking about, this, this whole idea of this gap, bringing relationships closer together. So two uh, wrong ways of judging others. We want to talk about that this morning. Uh, and, um, you know, one of them is this, judging by outward appearance. We kind of know that, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. We know the cliche. But how often do we do this and we don't even realize we're doing it? As a church, I got to say, Kingsway, you guys are really good. At this one, as I was preparing for this, I was like, this isn't the real main thing that we got to really work on. Um, because everybody who comes here is like, man, you know, it's just, it's, I feel so loved and I feel so accepted and I feel so welcome no matter what they look like. But it's this kind of thing sometimes we have it that it actually, this kind of judging actually hinders us from even having relationships. You know, you look at somebody like, eh, I don't think we could be friends. You know, it starts kind of like in, 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 you know, daycare. You're like, that kid's got curly hair. We can't hang out. And then, you know, in high school, if you watch Mean Girls, you know about the freshmen and the preps and the nerds and the geeks and the jocks and the techies. And you, you got your group. And you're like, I can never be friend with somebody there. They probably wouldn't like me. You know, I can tell they don't like me. And, you know, I'm just fine. I don't like them either, right? We're not, we're not hanging out. Uh, and then at work, you know, you, get, you grow up a little bit, but that doesn't change because at work there's safety guy. I'm not hanging out with him. You know, nobody hangs out with safety guy, you know, or the, or the sorry, uh, the quiet, it could be safety girl, the quiet girl, you know, or, or the obnoxious guy, or the eats alone at lunch guy, nobody hangs out with them, or the flirty girl, you know, I don't, I don't want to hang around with her, you know, she's, she's like, steal my husband or something, right? Whatever it is, you know, we have these thoughts, and we're just like, we don't, we don't even realize, we would never say that, but we just, we don't even begin to bridge the gap for relationship. You know, maybe it's on your street. You know, you got the, the perfect lawn guy. That's my house. Uh, I'm actually the Townsend residential dandelion farmer. Um, but the, uh, that neighbor, he don't like me too much. But, the, you know, you got the partiers on your street or the workaholics who are never home. You know, the, the, the cat lady down the road who I just, I just am never going to be friends with. Um, but... but 
under all of that. You know, sometimes we judge them by race or we judge them by their, how they appear in the news. And we're like, those people from that country and those people from that or their sexual orientation. We're like, nah, you know, or they believe in God. They don't. Nah. They're all people. They're all people. And I think as we realize that, it's just understanding that sometimes we will, we will um, uh, hinder ourselves from having relationships with real people. Great people, simply because this is just ongoing in our subconscious. We don't even realize we're doing it. Um, for those of you who are single um, or you're in the teenage years, you're not married yet and you're dating, just listen real closely because this idea of judging by the outward appearance burns Burns daters so badly. You think she's smoking hot on the outside. Let me just tell you, that does not translate to smoking hot on the inside. You want to know what's going on inside their heart. You know, that guy, he's so handsome. He just treats me so good. Find out how he treats his mom. Because it doesn't translate into being that. That's always going to last. Once you're married, all of a sudden he thinks you're his mom and you got to pick up after him and whatever. So, don't misjudge them on the outward appearance to the benefit. Parents do this with their kids too. They misjudge them on the outside, you know, on the outside thing, and they think, you know, you know, my kid can't do no wrong, whatever. Um, just know that there's there's the inside and the outside, and they both matter. I love this. There's a story um, uh, I shared it here before a while back. Um, but there's a guy named H. A. Ironside. He uh, he wrote uh, this story, and he related the incident of a life uh, of a man named Bishop Potter. And Bishop Potter was sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liners. And when he went on board, he found that he actually had to share a room with another guy. And so after going to see his accommodations, he came to the purser's desk or the kind of the treasurer on board that, that managed all the money. And he said to him, he, he asked him if he could leave his gold watch and his other valuables with him in the ship's safe. And he explained, Bishop Potter explained that ordinarily he never availed himself of this privilege, but he had been to the cabin and he had met the man that he was going to share, the, share this cabin with. And judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. So the purser accepted responsibility for the valuables and remarked, it's all right, Bishop. He said, I'll be very glad to take care of them for you because the other guy had just been here and he left his stuff for the same reason. You know, and I'm like, it's so, it's so true that we can just kind of, we, we, we can do this stuff, and it, it actually, it, it pushes us apart uh, and hinders some, some, some fantastic relationships. Uh, it's funny, because, uh, you know, people come to our church, and they visit, and sometimes I'll ask them, hey, what'd you think? And, and they usually will tell me the truth. Some of them, they'll lie straight to me, but it's all right. But, but I also have other people who ask and find out, hey, what'd you think? You know, what'd your friends think? And sometimes they'll come back and tell me, and I laugh because a number of people have come back and told me, yeah, my friends kind of describe Kingsway as like a whole bunch of misfits that kind of just like hang out in one place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I know, one of them said, you know, they're kind of misfits, but I'm kind of one of them, and I want to be part of that. And I was, like, thinking about the ones who, like, you know, they're kind of misfits, and we're not, we're not coming back. I'm like, man, do you know that they're missing out on incredible relationships with you guys just because of this idea? I, I know, when, when you know each other, you're not misfits. You guys are fantastic people. And then you kind of miss out on these relationships. Why? Because they said that. I'm like, there's probably... I don't know, they're probably sitting at home watching Oprah reruns this morning. They could be hanging out with you. They're missing that opportunity. You know, uh, judging by outward appearance, it could be hindering you from some of the most amazing relationships in your life. You know, the other thought I had this morning, you know, is, is uh, you know, some people think that they're, they're uh, you know, they, they judge people by, um, their intentions, or they judge people by their motives. Do you ever have one of those conversations, especially if you're married, you have one of those conversations with, uh, with, with your spouse, and there's actually no words? 
It's like just looks and, you know, glares and glances and, and you, know, you're, you know, you know, the stuff. I actually, I was in the parking lot this morning. These people pulled up beside me. I just kind of looked at them. I was like, yeah, and I knocked on the window and I kind of pointed. I made some faces and they're like, what, me? No. And I'm like, no, the other guy. I'm like, oh, it's you. And so they're looking at me like, what do I do? I'm like, and he's like, I just got here, right? Like, what, what's wrong? And, and it's, it's a buddy of mine. And so I like, come on over. He's like, okay, I'm just looking at him right through the window. I roll down the window. I'm like, I just need a sermon illustration. You're not in trouble, but that was it. You know, I could have this, you know, this whole conversation with him. He doesn't realize. And husbands and wives, it happens too, right? She, she gives you that look and you're like, does she want me? <laughs> or does she want me to take out the garbage? You know, and you're like, think she wants me, right? So you go, and, she, and you're wrong, and you're like, oh, I go, you know, how am I supposed to know? She's like, I'm taking all the garbage. You, of course, how did you get that wrong? I'm like, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. You know, parents, you know, all of a sudden your kids, you're like, they're doing something, you, you raise your eyebrows at them, and you're like, hmm, that's interesting. All of a sudden they're like, I'm in trouble. What did I do? Dad raised his eyebrows. You know, or, or that they wink at you. You know, some of you are looking at me right now in those faces. I'm just like, oh, man, you know, there's like something like, I hate what he's saying, or, or it's just something in your eye, right? But it, it's, you, just, you just don't know these, the conversations. But you're like, I'm not a mind reader. I can't, I can't read what you're thinking. And we love it on that side, right? But then there's the other side where we think we like have that gift. You know, there's people, so, so many people that sometimes we, we just know what that other person's thinking. We just know. You know, we're mental telepathists, and, and we're like, I know why he said that. Some of you are thinking that this morning. You know, that you're going to be like, I know why Mark said that. He knows my story. You know, we talked this week. That's why he preached about that. Just for those of you who think that, this has been in the works for months. Um, you know, this idea of she looked at me. She's judging me. I can tell. Just saw the way she's looking. She had her head raised a little bit. Just see it in her eyes. I know what she's thinking. And then the opposite. She didn't look at me. She thinks she's better than me, right? And you're like, you, you know what, the, what they're thinking, or you think, you assume that you know what they're thinking. They're so proud. And yet, it's one of the most dangerous ways of judging people that we do subconsciously, we don't even realize we're doing it, and it's destroying. It's destroying relationships, creating an incredible gap. Stephen Covey said this, we judge ourselves by our intentions, and we judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. You know, it's the reason why when he talked about seeing the speck in other people's eyes, it's why we see the speck. Because we see that action. We're like, they don't have everything figured out in their life. I can see this little thing wrong in their life. And then they're like, well, you got a two by four in your own, you know, in your own eye. Like, yeah, but I intend to do something about that. I've been working on it. You don't know my heart. I have a good heart. I've really been, you know, trying and yet we see that other thing. We don't assume that they've been working on it, that they've been trying, that they're, no, we can see, they got a speck. And so we read this thought and we say, hmm, you're right. We do kind of judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their actions. So I guess the way to fix that is we got to stop judging people by their actions. We need to judge them by their intentions. And you get it wrong as soon as you do that because sometimes we judge others by their intentions and not by their actions. We assume we know why people said something or why they did something. Maybe it's your husband, your wife, your, your kids. And it opens up the door to incredible hurt in your lives that was never meant to be there. I saw this story this week. It's in the book of Joshua. This, the, the book of Joshua was 
a historical account of how the tribes of Israel all gathered together and, and actually conquered the land that they now occupy, which is Israel. They were 12 brothers who had a whole lot of kids, and then they were a couple million strong. They decided to go and, and attack these other places, and, and they became a nation. This little story we're about to read is from 1400 B.C. So if you're holding it in your hand, that story, not necessarily the paper that it's on, that story's 3,500 years old, and it's still here today. That just, it's incredible. Um, 3,500 years ago, uh, this event happened. It's a really interesting illustration of what I've just, what I've just said. There's, for instance, here's, here's the map. So let me just give you the little background story, all right? So the guys on this side, right, you, these guys, um, Manasseh, Gad, and Rubes. So these, um, we're just going to call them uh, Man, Gad, and Rube for short. All right, so Man, Gad, and Rube, that, uh, that side, they conquered all of that land first. And then they crossed over to the Jordan River, this black line. They had to go conquer all those nations on the other side. And those were like big, uh, big nations, lots of strongholds. And so the guys who were going over, the other nine brothers said, come on, you know, Man, Gad, and Rubes, we need you to go across with us, fight with us. And when we conquer it all, you can go back home to your side. And so they they left their wives and children on, the, on that side. They, all the warriors crossed across the river. And they went across the river and they fought and they won um, all the battles. They conquered all that land. They gave the land to all the other guys. And then they were about to go, um, about to go home. And so this story happens right when those three tribes of warriors are heading back across the Jordan River. So Joshua says, thanks for your help, fellas. You guys can go home. And so they go home. And on their way home, they get back to the Jordan River. And it says uh, in, in, this, in, the, in the story that we're about to read, it says they build an altar right there. You're like, an altar, okay. So what, they kind of take a bunch of rocks. They build an altar that looks exactly like the altar, a place of worship um, to, uh, for God that Israel had in another town called Shiloh. They build one, another one identical to it right by the Jordan River. And we think, okay, that's cool. And some of you look at me like, Mark, this, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, who cares? Who gives a rip what some rocks about, like, you know, 3,500 years ago? That doesn't matter to me. It's really interesting what happens, though. If you read with me in Joshua chapter 22, um, verse 11, they just built this altar, and the rest of Israel, okay, all the guys on the other side, they heard, just remember that word, they heard that the people of um, Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh had built this altar at this place in the land of Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. And it says, so the whole community, they gathered at Shiloh, and they prepared to go to war. All they did was hear that these guys built an altar. That's what they did. And they're like, we're going to go to war. And you think about that for a second, because here's the guys who just fought with these guys. Like they had just said, hey, thanks for fighting side by side with us. We are brothers, man. We're like same countrymen. You know, thanks a ton. You guys head on back to yours. We're going to farm here. It's going to be great. This is a promise. Now we're going to kill you. Like what just happened here? They just put some rocks together and now they're going to kill them. Why? Why are they going to kill them? Uh, and so they, they, they say, hey, we're going to go to war. In Joshua 22, verse 13, it says, first they decided to send a delegation of people. So they sent all this group of guys over to find out, and they said they sent them over there to talk and find out what was going on. And so in verse 15, it says, when they, um, when they got there, they began to tell them, they said, the, the, the group of guys who came, they said, listen, the whole community of the Lord demands to know why. Demands to know why. Why are you, not why did you build an altar? They said this, 
Why are you betraying the God of Israel? How could you turn away from the Lord, build an altar for yourselves in rebellion to him? And, and he says, you know, wasn't our sin that, that, that he judged us for earlier, wasn't it enough? In verse 18, he says, you're turning away even though you, know, you just left and now you're doing this. And so he said, we didn't come here to say, why did you build an altar? They came and they said, listen, we're here because, you know, just picture that for a second. Here's this group of all of them coming to you guys after this happened and just said, listen, you bunch of betrayers, I know your heart. You're just turning it against the Lord, you know, right away. You know, you're, you're going to get us all in trouble. We know why you're doing this. And they said, you know, in verse 19, it says, even in, even in case it was because you wanted, you know, to kind of purify the land, we know why you did it. And, and you know what? We're going to, we're, we're ready to kill you for this. And like, man, that seems a little bit harsh. And for some of you, you're like, again, 3,500 years ago, Mark, who really cares? Take that close to home for a minute. Take that into your house. Take that into your marriage. Take that into your family. Take that into your workplace. Because the reason that these guys came and were ready to kill was because they judged the motives, the intentions of their own brothers, of their own countrymen. And they judged it and saying, hey, we think you built this because of betrayal. We think you built this because of this, this, and this. And when we judge people by the intentions, we open ourselves up to destroy relationships. It's fine when it's 3,500 years ago. It's not fine when it's your spouse. It's not fine when it's a child or a friend. You know, for instance, you get a text. Text, I mean, it's crazy. You get these words and, 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 and emails. I got people who are kind of upset at me because when they email me, I don't email them right away. And they're like, maybe he's angry. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have said. Like, and, and then I talk to them later, like, how come you didn't email me? Like, are, are you angry at me? Were you upset at me? I'm like, no, like I just, uh, I just, I'll email you tomorrow, right? Uh, uh, these thoughts. But it's amazing that the, how simple words, just typed, have this ability to like just go so many different ways. For instance, this, you know, we need to talk. I love that. We need to talk is the one sentence that has the power to make you remember every single bad thing you ever did in your whole life. Isn't it true? Like you get a, a text, we need to talk, and you're reading it like, uh-oh, they're angry. Like, I'm in big trouble. You know, or, you know, that the, the, we need to talk could be like worried, like I'm going through a lot. I, I just really need someone to talk to. You know, we need to talk. Or they're scared, you know. The pregnancy test came back positive. We need to talk. Nervous laughter. <laughs> Friendly, you know. Hey, I just heard about an awesome job that I think you'd be perfect. We need to talk. Give me a call. Excited, you know. I just got engaged. I want you to be my maid of honor. We need to talk. It can go any number of those ways. You know what happens? The reason it goes the w- any way is because we all of a sudden decide or assume that we know why they sent it. And we don't actually ask, and too often we just respond immediately to that. We respond to the way we think it was meant to be sent. I've seen marriages crash because of t- uh, misinterpreted text messages. Oh, she meant that. I know. I'm like, maybe she didn't mean that. She did. I know her. You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's it. Why? Because we judge people's intentions. Events become emotional events. It was just an event, and now it's an emotional event. You know, for instance, hypothetical, this idea of, you know, he forgot our anniversary. Simple event. I know you women are like, it's not simple. No woman ever forgets. But men, you know, he forgot. And it says this thought, all of a sudden it's like, how could he do that? You know, how, how, how could he forget? Like, it's the most important day of the whole year. He must not really care. He 
must not really love me. Maybe he's got another woman. Well, that's it. I'm going I'm to hurt her. I'm going to find, you know, forget that. I'm going to kill him, you know. It's like it, these things go through your minds, and you're like, it's just you amp up. And most of you, you stop somewhere before kill him. Uh, but there's a thing. It's like, what is that? It's, it's a simple thing of we're judging their intentions, and we don't know. I've shared the story before where my parents forgot my 15th birthday party. I didn't tell it last night because they were here. But the, uh, <laughs> when I was 15, my parents, you know, they, they forgot my birthday. And it's like, there's no more important day to a kid than their birthday. And so, you know, there was like nothing happening. They had company over uh, for a whole week. And and there was a conference going on at our church, and, and I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm like, they didn't say happy birthday in the morning. Maybe there's like a surprise at noon or something, and no surprise at noon, and I'm just like getting bitter. I'm like, you know, maybe, well, yeah, maybe they don't really love me that much, and, and I'm like, you know what? I'll show them. I'm going to run away. If they don't do something by dinner time, I am out of here, and so this true story. At dinner time, you know, nothing, no mention of it. They have dinner with their guests, and I'm like, that's it. I'm running away, so I ran all the way to my shed where, uh, you know, where there was pigeons there and my pigeons, and I hung out my, hung out my shed, and I was going to watch and see. They're going to come find me. They're going to come looking for me. And they drove off to the conference that night. And I'm like, <laughs> I wept bitterly. And I said, I'm, that's it. I, this is permanent. And then I realized, like, I'd have to eat my pigeons to survive. And I was like, that's just, I can't do that. So I'll go home and find out. And I went home, and I asked them, and they're like, oh, no, we are so so sorry, they said. You know, it's like there was a conference going on that they were so involved with taking speakers back and forth. It wasn't that they didn't love their favorite son. It was just that they happened to be so busy they forgot. And we're good friends to this day, right? Because uh, it was just an event. It was just an event. But as soon as you put that stuff in it, it becomes so much more. What happens when we, when we judge other people's intentions and their motives? We put them in a box. We put them in a box and we label that box we label that box liar. You know, that's, that's it. He just, he, whatever he says is not true. Mean-spirited. They don't care. We put our boss in that box. We put our kids in that box. We put our spouse in that box. And we, you know, we begin to just believe that they're, that they're the worst. And so it's like putting on sunglasses. When I put on sunglasses, everyone here has a tan. You know, not that that's true, but when I, that's all I can see because it changes the per- perspective and so, you know, spouses, parents, children, friends, they end up in the box. And it's like they, they, we, we, just, we decide that, you know, we know why they're doing things. We know what they're, what they're all about. You know, he, he thinks he's all that, you know, or she thinks she's, she looks at me as if she's prettier than me all the time, you know. I know what she's all about, you know, and, and they're just out to get me. That person at work, that's their whole life mission. All they're out to do is just get me, make my life miserable. Because we think we're that important that someone else, they, that's what they're going to live their life just to do. But anyways, so this thought, this thought, we put them in a box. Larry D. Wright said this, given half a chance, people often crawl out of the boxes into which we relegated them. Problem is, we usually don't give them half a chance. Our misjudging their intentions and their motives, and we think we know why they're doing stuff, doesn't give them a single chance to get out of that box. Too often, we put them in the box, and after a little while, we put a lock on that box, and we call it, it's called grudge. We're like, we're going to hold them in there for as long as eternity. They can't even try to get out. They can't even try to work on things. When they, when they try, you're just waiting for them to fail. So you can be like, pff, pff, 
I knew it. Back in the box you go. We doubt the words they say. You know, my parents that day said, Mark, we love you. Like, you don't mean it. You left on my birthday. You don't mean it. Could let that go on and on and on. Never, never realizing that they're trying to bridge that gap. Love you. You're important to me. No. You know, spouses, <laughs> you know, Beth sees it on my phone and says at noon, reminds me, tell Beth I love her. Not because I don't love her, because I sometimes need a reminder to put that into words. That doesn't count. You don't love me. You just, your phone reminded me, you know? Like, it doesn't really matter. Every physical thing, every hug is like, meh. You know, man, I just, I love you, meh. Why? Because we judge their intentions and we judge their motives and we tie it back to this one event where we think it didn't matter and now we're gonna do life that way. And you know what? You hold the key to that lock. It's called forgiveness. We're gonna talk about that more next week. But can you see how just misjudging, which we don't even realize we're doing it, but judging their motives and intentions, it's just destroying relationships. My question for you this morning, I just want you to ask yourself, is this, could it be, could it be that part of the issue in my hurting relationships is that I'm misjudging their intentions? Could it be that part of the issue in my hurting relationships is that I'm misjudging their intentions? The story we talked about from Joshua there's a guy named Paul Harvey. He used to have a radio show called The Rest of the Story. He'd tell these parts of a story and get you hooked, and then he would tell you the rest of the story. He's like, that was true? Like, whoa. The rest of the story is here. Joshua 22, verse 13. So often we do this just like these guys did and came and said, you know what? Oh, we know why, and we're going to kill. It says in verse 13, first, first. If you find yourself in this place, that's what it is, First. First, go and talk and ask the question, why? I know you said this, this, and this, and those words were pretty hurtful to me, but why did you say them? I know you did this, this, and this, and I gotta be honest, it was hurtful to me, but why did you do it? I wanna give you the chance to explain the why. Are you really that nasty of a person? Don't ask them that. Just ask them, why? Why? So it says is why they asked him, and it says in verse 22, the Lord, the mighty one is God, the Lord, the mighty one is God. When you see them putting two things like that together, the, re- the very same sentence together, the re- reason they did that in the Bible is because they didn't have bold print. So if they just wanted something to be louder and read it louder, that's why they put it together. So basically they're saying, whoa, don't kill us, the Lord, the mighty one's God. We're not betraying him. We're not turning against him. We're still with, we're still with him. And it says that they, they said in verse 22, he knows the truth, and may Israel know it too. So first listen and ask why. What's the, and then listen to the, the truth. In verse 24, it says, the truth is we built this altar for this reason. And they begin to explain. They said, you know what? We live on the other side of the river, and you guys are here. And the reason we built the altar is so that someday when our descendants, our grandkids come, come over, and they see these guys on the side, and they're like, you guys aren't part of us. You're on the other side of the river. You're, you're like from Dunville, right? You know, you're not part of us, whatever. I know, sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, I just got, got you back, right? Because now we're in like real time. So you're like, you know, you're from the wrong side of Highway 3, whatever. You know, you're not part of us. And so they, they said, you know, we didn't want that to happen. We didn't want that, we didn't want that ever to be the case. And so we built this altar as a memorial, as a reminder that to our kids that we all serve the same God. Verse 20, 28, he says, it's a reminder it's a reminder of the relationship that we both have with the Lord. 
In verse 30, it says when Phineas and the rest of those guys heard it, they're like, oh, okay, we're good. They went home, told the friends, hey, guys, go home. We're not going to war today. And like, oh, no, okay. You know, everybody go home. And they're like, what? What was just in, in, a, in a conversation turned from literal war, we're going to kill all of you to, ah, okay, we're good. Man, how could that, you know, what, what, are, the, what are the possibilities if that could happen in your marriage? You're just like, oh, I'm going to, oh, okay, now I know why. Oh, we're good. Parents, teens, I know why you're doing that, you little kid. You know, you think you, you think you own the place. Oh, oh, that's why. Okay, we're good. It's interesting. When they heard this, they forgave them for what they did. That word forgive, so much power in that word, one little word. And you know what's crazy to me? They left the altar up. Why? Because that event wasn't so tragic after all. They were ready to kill because they built an altar. The least they should have done was tear the thing down. But it wasn't the problem. They left it up, and here's the thing. I want to remind you of the same thought. Sometimes the event, it's not the problem. The event is not the problem. And they said, we're going to focus on the relationship rather than the event. And they said this, and I want to encourage you with this. If you're followers of Jesus, that same thought that whoever you're in contention with, whoever that's happening with, just a reminder that you're both in a relationship with the Lord, that that matters, that that's bigger, that's bigger. I want to leave you with this thought 1,500 years later. After this story happened, a man named Jesus walked on this planet. You know, and everybody, you know, this idea of misjudging intentions, we don't only do that with people. We do that with God sometimes. We do. We think, you know, God's like this judge. You know, Haiti has an earthquake. God must have judged them for all the bad stuff. You know, there's tsunami. God just wiping out all the, all the filth that's happening over there. There's like the Haldeman monsoon, and some of you are convinced that some one of us is sinning so bad that he's just not going to let it stop raining, right? And it's like, whatever, it's, it's this thing of God's judgment. God's the judge. He's, he's that guy at the beginning. We don't like that. But you know what? The Bible does say that there is going to be a day of judgment, but that's not today. As long as you're alive, that's not what God's all about. The Bible just says simply, and Jesus said in, verse, in John chapter 12, he said, I didn't come to judge the world. It's not why I came. I didn't come to condemn people. Judgment and condemnation, that builds separation in the relationship. That's not why I came. I came to give my life to restore relationship. I came that people might be saved. I came to shine, just to point the way to God, to say, listen, he loves you, and he still does today. That's the same message today that he says, you know what? I, I, I know there's a gap between us. I know that men has messed things up, but I'm not focusing on that gap. I'm not going to focus on and say, hey, you get your act together. When you can behave, when you can learn how to you know, obey everything I say, then we're going to be good. He's like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to come, son. I'm going to grab you, pick you up because I love you. I don't know why you did all this stuff. I don't know why Adam and Eve ate the apple. I don't know why. I don't care. I don't care about that. I'm not going to misjudge that. I'm coming here because I want to restore a relationship. That is the incredible, powerful love of God that's available for each and every person in this place. All it says is saying, God, I'm not going to misjudge you. I'm not going to think that you're angry, that you're, you know, this, this person that you're clearly not. God, if you're a God of love, I just open my heart to you today. Would you take me as I am, and would you do what you need to do? You know, the Bible says he sent Jesus as a substitute for us. It's like the thought of, you know, you getting in the ring with a UFC champ. If it's me, I don't like my chances. You know, it's that same thought that, you know, sin, the wages of sin, it's death, all that stuff. It just brings death and destruction in our lives. And for eternity, he says, you know what? You have no chance of fixing that yourself, but I'll come. You could try and fight that all your life on your own. You'll never win, but I'll come. 
I'll jump in the ring for you. I'll do it for you. And then I'll just give you the belt at the end. I'll win it for you. He says, you know what? I love you. He knows your name this morning. He loves you. Loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Maybe you're like, ah, man, the word dad, it just, ugh. Terrible word for you. He's an awesome father. Loves you incredibly. I challenge you to open your heart to him this morning. And that voice you heard on the inside saying, you know, some of these things were like, ah, that felt like me. Felt like Mark was talking to me. I wasn't. Because I'm listening to my own messages at the beginning. I can't change you. My hope, though, in sharing this is that you can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and powerful. (laughs) Thank you that you preserved it this long, that we could still have a chance to read it today. Father, thank you for your incredible love for me, for us. Thanks for changing my life. (laughs) Thanks for giving me life. Today, I pray for every person in this place, especially those who are married, struggling with things. God, I pray that that as uh, they just do what you've put in their hearts to do, that they would see incredible opportunity for change, to be able to live marriage and, and relationships the way you've designed them. God, thanks for our time together. As we go from this place, we know we're never without you. May we go and shine bright as your church and as your family in our world. Love you because of you and for you. In your name we pray. Amen.